considering that God knits us together in one mystical body, we might expect to hear, blessed are you who worship weekly, blessed are you who rejoice in the spirit, blessed are you who advertise your church affiliation, are justified and exude your blessedness, you who ignore those who speak ill of you because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and is yours now. Wouldn't this just naturally flow into our blessedness? The economy of blessing might have been co-opted just a little bit by those who believe that to be blessed means to have an abundance and not to suffer. Or wouldn't Evan and my job be easier if, if we just had to tell you that being a faithful child of God means you will live a comfortable life and you will have your heart's desire? But my dear ones, especially the parents and godparents of those to be baptized, I cannot promise you or your babe a life free of suffering. But our heart's desire, we can say more about that. For we want to be faithful children of God, saints of God even. And I found comfort in our epistle reading. While we are children of God, what we will be has not yet been revealed. The future lies wide open for us, no more so than when we were baptized as children. And through the nurture of parents and godparents in the church, together we walk alongside one another, helping to recognize the gifts we have by the fruits of the Spirit they bear. And we long for those ineffable joys prepared for those who truly love God. And at our best, we do want that for one another. As children of God in one family, we are a mystical body being in communion with one another and with God, living in fellowship. And this mystical union is our heart's desire, even if we're still working on the logistics about how best to do our part. So why, when Jesus is beginning his ministry, why doesn't he lead with that? Because instead, what we have, according to Matthew, is Jesus heading up a mountain to deliver what will become some of his greatest preaching hits. And he begins with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in case those listening thought they heard him incorrectly, he continues, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. With the silence perhaps broken only by some listless shifting, what do you imagine the disciples and others were thinking? Was their concept of blessed akin to ours? Would the beggar outside the gate post a selfie captioned hashtag blessed because he was so pitied? Would anyone expect the beggar to hold or behold the kingdom of heaven? And what about those grieving? From where would their comfort come? And how on earth would the meek inherit the earth when the imperial army stood at guard? And those yearning for righteousness? Well, they could just keep waiting. The reality of the human condition of the first century mirrors in stark resemblance to our condition 
today. And Jesus saw it, still sees it, and names the reality they and we face. Jesus sees all and calls by name those who others ignore, abandon, or revile. And in our polarized way of thinking, we might be quick to identify those Jesus blesses as only those who are outcast or oppressed. We want to know whose side Jesus is on when perhaps the most mystical thing about the body of Christ is that there are no sides. It is one whole. God saw fit to become incarnate to teach all those who are cast out or looked down upon, oppressed or judged and acted toward in all manner of unrighteousness to teach these children that they too are beloved, they are worthy, and they are blessed because nowhere else were they being assured that they too were or are created in God's image. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are not excluded. And those who are pure in heart, well, they could recognize the truth in Jesus' radical inclusion, perhaps more readily than others, whether they were outcasts or those who ranked somewhere in society. To be pure in heart, to see God, isn't that to be attuned to God's will? And likewise with the peacemakers and the merciful, they are building up the family of God instead of trying to break it down. Blessed are they. In the Beatitudes in the Gospel according to Luke, the woes are added, offering caution to those who already have wealth and fullness and laughter and status. But certainly to have these things is no affront to Jesus or to God. Blessed are they too. We want these things for ourselves and for one another, but we do not want them at the expense of one another. The mystical body of Christ is revealed in our communion and fellowship Yet the many ways we continue to deprive or overpower or even outright kill one another reveals how unafraid we are and how insecure we are that our success, our happiness, our honor, our blessedness, how insecure we are that those things are assured. On the drive back from Little Rock, my husband and I were talking about many things as cars lend themselves towards dreamy kinds of conversation. And Casey and I talked about life and events unfolding, still thinking of the friends we had just visited. And he cited the cliche, the world is your oyster. And in a strange turn of conversation, he he added that he always wants to add, you shall not want to that phrase. I'm like, wow. He's like, well, you know, the world is your oyster, you shall not want. Is it the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want? Okay. <laughs> but I giggled, and we compared the meter of the words, and we kind of like drifted off. I'm still trying to make it make sense in my head. But, but then he, he interrupted my thoughts, and he said something to the effect of, why is it that we even want at all? So we sat in silence again. And we never really came back to that question, though I did tell him I'd probably work that into a sermon someday. (laughs) But pondering want and desire, 
I heard those words from Psalm 84 come to mind. My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. Perhaps we are born with desire. We want to be united, reunited with the source of all being. And this union is not a competition or a race. Blessed are we in the family of God, whoever we are and wherever we are. We are loved and we are welcomed and we are encouraged to seek our way toward the kingdom of heaven, finding it and living in communion and fellowship with one another. Isn't that the mission of the church? But our separation from God, our sin, is made all the worse by misplaced longing, wanting those things that our fellow humans have created and attached value to, namely worldly power motivated by wealth and might that fuels greed and devalues others. Is there a war right now not motivated by power over another? or a desire for more at the expense of others? Isn't there enough in this world for everyone if everyone truly loved God and their neighbor as themselves? Blessed are we all who receive grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, to begin again to follow the saints toward the kingdom of heaven wanting nothing more than the ineffable joys that God has prepared for us when we are united as one. And we can and we will with God's help. Amen.